Welcome to the next episode, the next season, the new beginnings, 2022 or 2022 of Pop Cult X. Welcome. We're so glad you're here with us today, this week, this year, whenever you're watching this. We're happy that you're here on either watching us or listening to us, either via YouTube or a podcast. We're so glad that you're here and we're filling your screen or your ears. Once again, I am Daniel. And Gabriel is here as well. And yes, he is. <laughs> so one quick thing I want to remind everyone, if you're not already doing this, make sure you subscribe to us, follow us, hit the little notification button. That way you always get notified of when we post new stuff, which, you know, we post every Wednesday, usually might be a little different coming up, but just, just so you know, you get notified, you know when to go watch us because, you know, you, we know you're eager to hear and see from us. So yeah. How was your new year, Gabe? How was your yeah. celebration? New Year's Eve was great. <clears throat> I spent it in another country. <laughs> it sounded like a, uh, uh, yes, it was great. <laughs> and, and it was it was a lot of fun, drink too much. Um, you know, Gen X cannot <laughs> hang with the kids anymore. I had a super bad hangover. Um, so that part wasn't fun. But um, I did get a chance to, to watch a couple movies and, and uh, talk about them. So um, I'll be using those experiences today on the podcast to talk with everyone about uh, those movies. But um, what about your New Year's Eve? How, how did it go? It was nice and calm. That's uh, the dogs got scared with the fireworks, so kind of comforted them. Yeah. But yeah, it was not too bad. We survived it, survived another year. But yeah, you're right. I think I saw the same two movies that you did. Yeah. So that would be a perfect place for us to start this next generation of of a podcast two movies that i want to talk about one is matrix resurrections and the other one is don't look up yeah. now which do you one do you want to get into first i think don't look up is is going to be our our first topic and then we'll spend a little bit more time into <laughs> into the matrix so i think that the matrix means more at least to me i can't i don't want to put words in your mouth as uh you know a film films you know a, a sequence mm-hmm. of films like i mm-hmm. You know, enjoyed them a lot, and so it meant a lot to me. So I think we'll spend a little bit more time on that. That sounds yeah, good, and then I we'll agree. get into Don't Look Up. So um, Don't Look Up saw it. It's like one of the top films right now on uh, Netflix. So yeah. you guys, any of our listeners hasn't haven't um, watched it? I it is available to watch. Um, it's a great cast. So mm-hmm. that number one, I think that the cast is amazing like i have to give them props because leonardo dicaprio is in it meryl streep um jennifer lawrence kate blanchett timothy chalamet or chalamet however you say his name ariana mm-hmm. grande is in it chris <laughs> evans um there's tons jonah of hill jonah hill mark rylance or relance melanie linsky kid cuddy Ron Rob Morgan. We could go on and on. So the cast is amazing. (laughs) The point being that they have a really amazing cast. Um, So the plot of the movie, for those who haven't seen it, is this PhD student played by Jennifer Lawrence is looking at stars and studying for her, her, uh, her PhD. And she discovers that there's a comet hurling to earth. And so she checks with her uh, professor who is played by, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and they confirm yes it is coming and so begins the movie so they're it's basically them trying to warn the world that this huge comet is going to come which would lead to basically the extinction of mankind and everything uh, on the planet it would just destroy earth 
Mm-hmm. And so um, the fun, I guess, is <laughs> them the trying fun. to convince <laughs> um, the president to do something, the news media. Um, it, it's really a metaphor for like modern day society and how mm-hmm. we don't take the environment seriously. It's kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio's like, exhausted with trying to explain how important the environment is and how people have just kind of ignored it. It's like, okay, what would it take? You know, even if a comet was hurtling towards us, would you care about the environment? Would you do anything to help? Uh, And so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of making fun of, you know, a president that's more concerned about her constituents and trying to win the new election, um, who was excellently played by Meryl Streep. Um, She's sort of like a play on a Trump-like persona, who is, you know, pretends to be like a shoot straight from the hip kind of tough talking, uh, you know, popular with conservatives kind of a person. And mm-hmm. her son's played by Jonah Hill, who's kind of sort of, you know, they're making fun of like the Trump kids being yeah, in the administration yeah. with his mm-hmm. mom being the president. And mm-hmm. he's a buffoon. <laughs> um, that part I really loved. I thought it was hilarious. I, I really love the characters that they're playing because it i mean it's basically making fun of the trump family and the nepotism and um the ignorance when it's like okay do you want to make sure that we protect the earth and not kill everyone or are you more important you know do you care more about your popularity (laughs) and and, you know getting votes so um so that that's my first point is that the cast is amazing they did a great job acting um Mm -hmm. jennifer lawrence um i i really liked her she's sort of playing like a alternative like punk kind of a girl like they make fun of her like the girl with the dragon tattoo kind of a <laughs> yeah vibe um, she has like nose piercings <laughs> and like bangs and like red hair and everyone's like making fun of her hair in the whole movie uh i really liked it i thought they did a great job acting kate blanchett is almost unrecognizable mm-hmm. she like transforms mm-hmm. into this like vapid american with like big white teeth you know that's always bubbly and, and positive <laughs> uh newscaster uh, so so let's you know stay with that is like what did you think of the cast what were your thoughts about the cast well the cast was great i mean i i particularly liked mark relance who played the the ceo of bash which is kind of like a a mimic of like apple t- mm-hmm. that type of corporation so and i liked his character portrayal of it and it reminded me of his portrayal in the movie ready player one when he played um the main I guess, developer of Mm -hmm. the whole Ready Player One universe. And I could see how he brought that persona into this character. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool. I mean, I I really liked Leonardo DiCaprio's portrayal of a scientist who becomes a celebrity Mm -hmm. who goes back to becoming a family man. Yeah. And he gets that whole arc. He's, you know, worried about the world. Then he's also worried about it, but he has his newfound success and, and the celebrity and he lets it get a little bit to his head mm-hmm. and it takes him on a different journey. But then at the end he realizes, Oh wait, that's not who I am. And he comes back to what he truly is, which is his family man and a father and a husband. And he, that whole, every, I guess, how would I say it? How he goes from one spec, one of the end of the spectrum to the other. And mm-hmm. he just encompasses all that all in the midst of trying not to go crazy and pull his hair out because no one is listening to the science, which is mm-hmm. kind of like today nowadays. And I think, Adam McKay, the writer, um, did a great job. I mean, first off, trying to bring in everything that you mentioned about with the whole Trumpism and and Republicans and conservatives and and put them in a light where we could see just how foolish they are and just, you know, kind of 
have it be a caricature of that, mm-hmm. but also balance in the seriousness of what could be a, you know, earth shattering um, circumstance. So mm-hmm. I think he did a really good job of writing and I was, I enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't the, I mean, when I see picture Adam McKay, I picture like the other guys or stepbrothers, you know, it's going to be like an over the top comedy. Yeah. So, and so when he brought this and it was a little more serious undertones, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it was really good. I enjoyed that part of it as well. I don't know if you want to yeah. talk about the writing, but that's yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that he did, you know, it, it was a serious topic that he, I think that, that they were trying to, um, create dialogue or, or send a message mm-hmm. out in regards to like the environment and the importance of, you know, us protecting earth. Um, however, I think that the humor didn't go far enough. The satire didn't go far enough. Okay. And then the seriousness didn't go far enough. So like, okay. I think that for me, it was like kind of in the middle where it was like some parts funny, sometimes like serious. I would have liked it to have been like even more over the top with the satire mm-hmm. yeah, I hear you. or, or slightly more serious because I think that there were certain aspects of it that, I, I mean, it just didn't go far enough either way for me, but I did like it. I mean, I think that the message is kind of important. Uh, the whole don't look up is in reference to how even the, you know, a comet coming down to the earth would be, get politicized and like, yeah, it, it's yeah. like COVID. It's like, <laughs> how is, how is a freaking virus politicized? And they show people saying like, Oh, you know, they're people just want to make you look up at the comet because they want to take away your guns or like just <laughs> the stupid things that people exactly. do. Yeah. And, and that's her, like Meryl Streep's president is her tagline is like, don't look up. Like, don't even pay attention to the comment because that's what they want you to do. Those mm-hmm. liberals want you to look mm-hmm. at the comment. And it's like, it's so sad that like, it's not funny because like, I, I could see Trump literally doing that or like yeah. someone like that, you know, making fun of a situation. I mean, not making fun of, but it, it being like not taken seriously um, because they have a political agenda they want to get, exactly. get done. Mm-hmm. So it was – I mean, it's definitely entertaining. I think that they did a really good job with, with the acting. It's just really good. Um, it's really sad because it doesn't it doesn't end well. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert to anyone that hasn't seen it. Um, and and uh, I, I did. I mean, I kind of like that it didn't end well because that's the part where I think it could have been a little bit more serious. Is like we our environment is out of control like our just Mm -hmm. and and it's like the greed and the um politics involved with something as as simple as like we should be able to protect the earth and like try to undo some of the damage that we've done and we don't do it we just keep on and it's like and there was a whole the whole theme of well that just sounds like a bummer i don't want to listen to that or like, why do you have to be so exactly. sad? It's like, that's depressing. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. And, and that's kind of how Americans are. And the like, and pop culture is, is like, we don't want to hear the real message. It's black and white. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to destroy the earth if we don't like wisen up and start taking care of it. But it's like, uh, but we don't really want to hear that right now. Let's talk about, you know, something else. <laughs> and, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, we don't so want to. That... Oh, go ahead. No, I, so I like that the world explodes at the end because, like, that's yes. kind of what we deserve. Like, it's it's almost like inevitable. Um, and I, I I love the whole, um, you know, the the Apple or you know Tim Cook or uh, you know that kind of like mm-hmm. 
social media guys, scientists, whatever that the guy's playing, um, how the algorithms, he knows everyone's future and how he's like, Oh, you're going to die alone. And, and, and it, you know, it makes fun of how, you know, our social media, like Facebook, Instagram, they have so much data on us. Yeah, they do. That they can predict our life. And, (laughs) and the funny thing is, is like that, you know, he predicts, the president's demise and it's like kind of mysterious because it's like it doesn't make sense but then at the end of the the movie like (laughs) it does (laughs) it's so hilarious and it it just it's so funny Uh, i love that part that was really funny and so yeah i mean i i would recommend the movie because it does have sort of like a good message underneath like the humor um, you know, the political satire messages about celebrity and celebrity culture. and It also speaks about corporate greed, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. With Bash and a little spoiler. So they, the government, finally the Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence characters finally persuade the U.S. government to send nukes to basically destroy or uh, reroute where the comet's heading with mm-hmm. some nukes. But then at the last second, the corporate entity of Bash comes in and stops it because they realize that they can make money off of this because it has all these rare minerals that the United States isn't privy to and that they have to go pay a large fortune to a different country to get. And it's all in there. So they, they're putting greed, once again, over human life and the earth, which yeah. is what's – you know it can be said – you can say that it's happening now. Corporate mm-hmm. greed is – outweighs the i guess the you know climate change and stuff like that so it's yeah. but it, it, it's, it's been like that that's it's since the beginning yeah, of that's time. True. Like, yeah <laughs> it's, just, it's always been that it's just that we're maybe more wise to it but at the same time it, it as much as people will pull the like the the blinders from us or try to open our eyes to things do we as a, as as like Americans want to even see it? Like that's I think yeah. part of the mm-hmm. message she was like. Do we want to know? They, yeah. They're literally telling us in black and white, and it's like no, like the pandemic's fake. Like the, mm-hmm. they just want you to take a shot for whatever reason, and it's mm-hmm. like it's so infuriating because you know it's like there are certain things that are science that are like ba- like backed by evidence and facts that now it's just. It's our culture to just be like, no, I don't want to hear it. Like, I don't believe in that. Like, that's, that's, you know, you're trying to spin it to control us or take away our guns or do, you know, control our children. And it's just insane. Like it, it honestly, it's crazy. And that's what it makes fun of. So I recommend the movie, like, especially, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it is funny. It does have its moments where it's really funny that I I thought that we're really laughing or I was laughing and it was kind of touching at the same time. Um, but it, it's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I recommend I, it. I recommend it as well. I mean, I, I like Jonah Hill's portrayal of a buffoon mm. and yeah. how funny, one of the funny parts when he tells Jennifer Lawrence character, this FBI doesn't put bags over your head. That's the CIA, but I did that to you. He just yeah. wanted to let her know it was, that was funny. Well, I like I, how he hates her. And, and yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, you can imagine that that's what Don, Don Jr. did, did yeah. like, or, yeah. you know, how he acted and, and. Uh, and you know, it's like a, uh, perfect portrayal of that family. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, he ends up getting abandoned by his mom and like, she yeah. about him. So she's it's coming like back, right? Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that was, you know, one movie that I saw this weekend. The other one, me going to the movie theater, um, to see was the matrix resurrection, oh. which I was really excited about. Um, you know, I definitely wanted to see it in the theater because my expectations were that, um, they would live up to the hype of the first 
one and, you know, bring some really cool visuals um, to the table. That's what I, you know, what I really liked about the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big fan of the first Matrix. I don't really remember a lot from the second or third. <laughs> and I, I think, think that's that, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that's why, you know, to kind of, you know, segue into my feelings about the movie is that I didn't really like the movie all that much. And it's because I was super confused by the plot. And and I think that it's because <laughs> I feel like the first one was going to be a standalone movie about Neo's journey, like mm-hmm. awakening. And, and then it became so popular that they're like, well, we have to do a second and a third right. one, right? And then it became like this like jumbled, you know, plot. Mm-hmm. And then this one is like, has a lot of uh, like weird unnecessary things so i mean we can kind of dissect it one by one but initially going into the movie like my expectations were really high wanted you know really cool visuals wanted to have some like philosophy like theological kind of insight into you mm-hmm. know sort of like the first matrix about awakening and seeing things for what they are transformation things like that um so that's how i came into the film like you know um, what about you? Like, what were your expectations? I, well, love the first movie. I remember yeah. watching it in a theater. I remember clearly my emotional feeling afterwards and feeling like, wow, I really want to know Kung Fu. I really want to, <laughs> you know, be emotionally invested with that character of Neo yeah. and how I felt afterwards. And you just want to get out there and just go kick something, you know, do some jumping and stuff like that. Cause it, it made you feel more than yourself. So mm-hmm. Opposite than you, though, I didn't go into this movie with high expectations. Okay. Because I felt like there was no way possible that it would be on par with that first one. Mm-hmm. Or, and like you, I don't remember much. I remember watching the second and third, Reloaded, and um, I don't remember. <laughs> Read something. There are three R's, right? Yeah. So, but. I knew that I wanted to watch it just because I wanted to get that nostalgia back from the first one yeah. of how it made me feel. But I didn't go in with high expectations because I, I knew I was probably going to be let down. Yeah. So maybe I was let down less than you were. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about the cast, first of all. Yeah. Cast so was Keanu, great. Yeah, cast was great. Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann mm-hmm. Moss, and Jada Pinkett Smith all um, – Returning, reprising their roles mm-hmm. as Neo, Trinity, and Niobe, and mm-hmm. I thought that was great. It was cool. If you don't haven't seen it yet, this movie is set sixty years in the future from the end of Part Three. So mm-hmm. just we see Jada Pinkett Smith's character a little bit aged, a little bit more wise, a little bit more savvy, a little bit more. She's had to live those sixty years. Whereas you know, if you don't, I won't spoil this part, but Neo and Trinity haven't aged as much. So mm-hmm. it was um, – there was also some newcomers into the series. Yeah. And well, let me, I think let me we, just stop you real quick. Yeah. Just real quick to stop you. Uh, so I think that the, like our talk is going to be for people that have seen the movie. So if, if they haven't, don't listen because stop I think right there's now. a lot that I want to <laughs> talk that are like plot points that okay. – you know, because that's her take, like what we thought about yeah. the movie. And I don't yeah. want to leave stuff out because I don't want to ruin the movie for people. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it and then come back to, you know, whatever minute and second we are in the podcast. <laughs> uh, and then first, you know, then second, what I want to do is just talk about 
Keanu Reeves, Carrie Moss, and Jada Pinkett Smith real quick because they're okay. reprising their roles, like you said. And yeah. so, um, first of all, Keanu Reeves is like a vampire. He doesn't age. I think he looks like very similar to the way he did in the first ones, like has more of like a longer hair, beard. Um, so he lo- looks a little, you know, he looks more mature. Um, Carrie Ann Moss is they're in the matrix again. So let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. They're, they're okay. back in the That's matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they got plugged back in. Mm-hmm. They got plugged back in. And so they're back in the matrix and, you know, our world of reality. And so he's a video game developer. Developer. Mm-hmm. She's a, a housewife slash motorcycle repairman. And then Niobe or JD Pinkett Smith is in IO is what it's called IO, now. Yes. Like the new the human Zion. city. Outside of the Matrix, yeah, yeah, and and so so my thoughts just initially of glad to see Keanu Reeves again, glad to see Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss looks amazing still too. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks like she hasn't aged as well. Right now, Jada Pinkett Smith's character definitely looks like she aged, and oh, yeah. because it's six years <laughs> in the future. But the one thing that I do want to like kind of pick at or like kind of annoyed me is that there are certain times actors portray older people that one they put on the prosthetics so it physically makes them look old yeah. but then there's like a choice some actors don't choose to do this some choose to do this and i think jada pinkett smith and maybe lana wachowski decided that she was going to be like the old lady that like sounds like an old lady which i didn't like like i don't like when people okay. portray older people like oh my i'm an old <laughs> like it doesn't really need to be that old because like my parents are not young people they're up in their age and neither one of them sounds that way not that they're doing like cartwheels down the street because they are older but they don't sound like weak like they're about to like kill over at any moment i i that just annoys me when younger (laughs) people think that older people like they forget that they like don't talk to like their grandparents or something and they don't sound so (laughs) old you know what i'm saying like it's like a little, i like understand, a I understand. so anyway i want to just put that out there because i i just was like i they made her a little bit too feeble in my opinion especially since she is now the general of the mm-hmm. humans in io and so like i would have thought that they could have made her a little bit they did in her attitude she had strength and what she her her um perspective like wait what she said but i think there could have been more gravitas to what she was saying if she didn't put on the old lady voice she already had the prosthetics so she physically looked old she didn't have to go so old i felt that just my opinion but <laughs> carry I, on <laughs> i understand what kind of what you're saying there i yeah. it didn't bother me as much because yeah. i was i don't know i mean yeah, I see what you mean, but it really didn't bother me. I guess yeah. I just kind of just bought into the whole, you know, she's a older lady now, and it's yeah. just it's it's a Gabriel it thing that the little <laughs> things that bother me about movies or things in life that no one else cares about. Uh, it just it's it, and the reason why, and this is a little side note, is because I'm still pissed off about Sex in the City and how they're portraying those characters and. They're the way they're they're like fifty and they're portraying them like they're a hundred and eight. Like okay. it's just it's crazy. And so like maybe it's because like I'm in my forties and I'm like I'm super far from you know being deaf at fifty uh, or like needing a hip replacement at fifty. 
that's what the characters are doing by the way in sex in the city okay. um so like it just it's a little <laughs> offensive to me like old people the se- like people in general when they hit 50 they don't like start acting like old people especially our parents generation i think they've changed the way that old people act um definitely a lot different from like two generations before because medicine and health has improved so so much that older people are like living longer and they're healthier they're like out doing stuff they're not just sitting home like reading the newspaper and watching like their stories on television you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah so anyway, I know what you mean. That, that's just like that's my <laughs> i'm a little over like the ageism in, in media right now and making well, I, old people like so old i guess the question is how old is she supposed to be well, like I'm assuming that she wasn't 20 in the first – when her first appearance, right? And it's 60 years later. So she's like 80. Okay. My dad's like 80. He's like – I think he's like 78, 79. He does not talk like that. He goes to the gym five days a week. He bench presses more than I can bench press. Like <laughs> people think that he looks like 50. And so – and my mom's like seven years younger than than my dad is. And she doesn't talk like that. She sounds like she did when she was you know 40. And it's like, it's just weird like that, you know, well, it's like I they kick you, know, you over the head with their age. And it's like, we living in it. Iowa is hard, Gabe. Living in <laughs> Iowa is hard. It's, it's a rough Eating all life. that sludge or whatever <laughs> they ate in the previous matrix. They're barely developing strawberries. Come on. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That was the big a hard event, life. Yeah. So anyway, I got off on a tangent. That was just my, my first, my first, you know, reactions to seeing, the cast, you know, that returned. Mm-hmm. So since we're talking about who reprises their roles, so surprisingly, Morpheus is in it, but he's not played by Lawrence Fishburne. And Agent Smith is in it, but he's not played by the actor that originated the role. And so this is what like my problem with it. First of all, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne said he was surprised by not being in it because no one asked him. So okay. he wasn't even asked to be in it, which is kind of like, okay, so they wanted someone to be him, but to look different. And the whole thing was that that Neo coded him into the Matrix because he's meaningful to Neo. And he yeah. knew that like it would help him because he's like a father figure, super important. So if that's so, why would he make him look different and why not it be – like that would be the touchstone, right? Like even because <laughs> – At one point in the film, Morpheus is in the Matrix. He doesn't really know who he is. He has to eat the pill and get woken up and do all of that stuff. So I don't get it. That that's one of the things that like I'm like, okay, like I don't understand why it had to be a different actor. Like, was it really because then he really doesn't play like that? He's not important, Morpheus, in this movie. Right. Like he kind of like comes in and out. The main. Yeah, he's not. So why even bring him in? Well, like you said, he Neo coded him as a guide. Now, this gets a little bit to the plot points. Beginning yeah. of the movie, first 20 minutes, I didn't know what the hell was going on. It was like, okay, it's a modal, which if you weren't familiar with what a modal is, I'm glad they explain it later on in the film. Because at first I, – I, I didn't get that explanation. Oh, I you still didn't hear that? that? Yeah. They, no. Okay. So basically it's like a, a loop. Like he created a loop, right? Okay. So he can replay that scene over and over again and watch it and get every angle of it. And the hackers found that piece of code, piece of software, and that's how they were able to extract Morpheus. So it wasn't really 
Morpheus as we know him, it was another interpretation from Thomas Anderson's mind, who is the alter ego of Neo, so to speak. And he created that for himself. Yes, that's exactly the look I had on my face when I was watching it. I was like, what the heck is going on? I don't yeah. understand this. I pushed pause, thought about it for a moment because I saw it at home. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Then I said, you know yeah. what? I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm going to let the story explain itself. To me. Well, so, and, and here's like some insight to like our listeners. I'm completely ignorant to anything technology-wise. Like, <laughs> I fully admit that I'm an idiot. Like, I don't know technology. Like, I will kit, control, delete to try to solve any issue that I have with anything. Nice. But you, Danny, are more educated within and experienced with technology and with computers and all of that stuff. So I would expect you to to at least be able to get it. And if it's above your head, maybe it was a little too much that they oh, went no, into, I right? I agree completely. It was a bit much. Like, it was. If and it's going over your head and you're like <laughs> the tech nerd, then maybe it was a little too much. But I completely agree. But I, I will say this with, with the caveat that it did explain itself Throughout the I, movie. I, I think I was eating popcorn or something because I had missed that explanation. <laughs> well, go back and watch it on HBO yeah. Max and, and they do explain it, which is great because like you said, it was just – I don't know what Lana was thinking, but it went over my head yeah. a little bit. It was so, like, wow. So okay, the so other she- character that they bring back is Agent Smith, mm-hmm. different actor. And according, yeah. I think, yeah, and I think that it was because of scheduling. So they actually possibly did ask the original oh, actor, but okay. he couldn't okay. be in it because of a scheduling conflict. I don't know what he's making that's so important, but um, <laughs> maybe he made the right decision though because this was not that great. Um, so they bring Agent Smith back in. Looks different. I don't get why he's there. Like to well, be honest. Okay. So, so if you remember from the original trilogy. Um, Neo basically when he went through him he he set Agent Smith free so he was no longer a virus or tethered to the Matrix right so now he could go like any other sentient program go in and out of different scenes he wasn't tied to, he wasn't an agent anymore right so in the so he's he's artificial intelligence right. He's, so is he, is he is he like one of those little fish flying around in the matrix, like in the real world? Like, no, where is he's he? still a program within the matrix, but he's not tethered to the matrix. He's like a virus in a way, I guess. Okay. So, but the new character is so he was so Thomas Anderson or Neo is his boss, right? His partner yeah. at the at the um, software development company that they both mm-hmm. work for created where they created the matrix video games, which Mm -hmm. is a tongue in cheek joke to the matrix trilogy and how they wanted a fourth version of the video game and why they didn't really need it, which I guess was a tie back to um, Warner brothers asking for a fourth matrix movie, but the Wachowskis didn't want to give them one or Mm -hmm. they didn't want to do it their way. So it was like a whole reference to that. Yeah. Which I liked. I liked that. Yeah, That was cool. Um, But did he need to be there? No. And it's so random how he comes in at the beginning trying to kill Neo, right? Mm-hmm. When he's, you know, still Tom Anderson or whatever the fuck. And then he is in the middle and then he sort of wants to help him and then he just disappears. Right? Like, I mean, that's the impression I got. An alliance of convenience, wasn't it? But then he just like disappears. 
So why did he want to kill him in the beginning if he would somewhat know that he needs to team up with him, right? I don't know if he knew that he needed to team why, up with how him. How would he not know? What, where did he gain their, the knowledge some way midpoint of the movie? Because he just disappeared and then he comes <laughs> back knowing that he needs right. to help him. Right. True. So, and the Good other point. thing that annoyed me is that, like, it's the same Agent Smith. And why didn't he call him, and you know, Mr. Anderson? Why did he start calling him Tom? Or Thomas, or no, yeah, Tom. Um, that wasn't it like wasn't the same agent. I think I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch it? it to let you know. I mean, it was well, if you think it, about it, the, the matrix, character right? who became as Morpheus, he was also Agent Smith at the very beginning. If you realize yes, he that was an agent, he was Agent Smith. He said the same lines. No, no, Commander, they're already dead. That the same Agent Smith said before. Yeah. So that was that was also weird to me. So yeah. who was the real Agent Smith? I don't know. It's I, I so okay. So I that is not. <laughs> I don't get it. I think it was unnecessary to bring Morpheus and Agent Smith in. Like I think they could have just left that. To the past those are like two really good things that they did in the first one like smith mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. morpheus were awesome like i loved their interactions yeah, it wasn't needed in this one because oh pretty much this movie is about a love story right between yeah. trinity mm-hmm. and and neo smith and that whole fight scene with Ken, like it's just there because they needed a fight scene i think yeah and, and then so there's another character that so we'll talk about characters they introduced. The the main villain is um the uh, analyst. Mr. Anderson or Tom Anderson, whatever, his counselor in the Matrix, mm-hmm. who is really the analyst or the new creator of this new yeah. version of the Matrix, played by Neil Patrick Harris, who I thought did a good job acting wise. Oh, like, fantastic. I like he's, him. A lot. He's a really yeah. good actor. I like him. Um, he wasn't like super over the top, which I think some people are saying that he's like he was a little too over the top. But I'm like, I, I don't think so. I disagree mm-hmm. with that. I thought he was, I thought good. He was perfect. Yeah. yeah. And so I liked him. Um, some of the other new characters are like, I guess, the new band of generals and like the new fighters, freedom mm-hmm. fighters, if you will. Um, the first one being Jessica Henwick, who plays Bugs, who's like yeah. really like central to the plot because she helps free neo going to freeze him yeah yeah and so she's really cool i like her she's i think a chinese canadian or chinese american actress um i love her like blue hair like her style that that's something that they brought back from the first one that i really like is the way that it's like really ugly and plain um in i guess the awake version or like in zion or eo or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. and then but in the matrix they're like sexy and beautiful and badass (laughs) i like that like it's really cool like i like the transformation that she has um or like her look in the the movie uh, or in the matrix like i think she looks really cool it's really badass um there's some really cool special effects where she's like you know the room sort of like flip and move as she's going in in and out of yeah. like portals yeah. because they the don't use the portals, anymore. Yeah. They use doors or windows or, or mirrors. mirrors. Yeah. Um, and so I thought she was really cool. Um, one of my favorite cameos that I wasn't expecting in the movie was uh, Christina Ricci, uh-huh. who plays sort of like a marketing <laughs> director. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like in reference what, to what we were talking about is like where they sort of – it's like self, self-referential where they're talking about how Warner Brothers was demanding some new product and they didn't want to do it. So it's like was that the Wachowski – like 
sisters or just Lana's way of sort of addressing how maybe they didn't want to make a new one. And like, and what I really liked is they discussed like what made the matrix important. And then all the different characters sort of saying like, Oh, it was bullet time. That was what really brought Mm -hmm. it. No, it was the love story between uh, Neo and Trinity. And and it was the way they looked and and they're talking about all the things that you love as an audience member. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of really interesting to hear. Yeah, that was, yeah. The Matrix characters talking about (laughs) what we would be talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was really cool. And like the way they filmed it was really interesting. That's probably like one of the highlights of the film for me is that dialogue that they had about what made the movie so special. I mean, they're talking about the video games, but really the movie. And um, I thought that was really cool. what other new characters were introduced that were kind of cool? Uh, well, I think um, uh, the character of Lexi, played by Endira mm-hmm. Ibarra, mm-hmm. she she was really fantastic in it. She every scene she was in, she stole the show. I think, yeah, she was just great. I really so like. Did this is my you know I don't want to know if this is like my perception of it, but was she Bugs' girlfriend? Because I feel like there was a scene where they're like embracing in a romantic way, not just in a friendship, we almost died way, like more of a like, we almost died, but I love you way. I don't know. I don't do, recall Do you that. remember that scene though? Like, like it sort I of pans so. in and, and it's after like Bugs is like, comes back into, I guess their real world and they're like embracing. I think that they might be a couple. I don't know. I'll have to do research on that and see if, if that's just me reading into it. But I was like kind of coming into the film like there better be some latinos i kind of go like every time <laughs> i see a science fiction uh like action film i'm like looking like there has to be and then so when i finally saw lexi was like thank god they included <laughs> us in the film because i would have been pissed i would have been tweeting you know lana wachowski right now um she had a really cool like i loved her like little like baby hairs that they had combed down mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. the braid like you know her she hair cool, was really like, cool 1920s like flapper girl you know that type of vibe to me I yeah was really like cool. finger waves mixed exactly. with like pins in her hair um and and the really cool glasses that they were wearing style wise they they i think they knocked it out of the park again they had like it harkened back to the first one where they had that really cool matrix style um mm-hmm. They didn't really do anything when it came to like reintroducing like a new filmmaking style, like with that bullet time they did in the first one. They're, they did like a slow motion kind of yeah, yeah. thing, but it wasn't really that impactful as it, as it was in the first film when they did, you know, him falling backwards and being able to dodge mm-hmm. bullets. Um, so there was a monologue that that the evil guy has where he says, you know, he used Keanu Reeves creating bullet time. That that I was like, wait, did Keanu Reeves or Neo introduce that? Because I could have sworn that the agents also were in bullet time and it was just indicating that he could be as fast as the agents. Because it, like the agents pu- punch super fast when they're like yeah. punching him and they could dodge bullets. So I thought that that was kind of like not true. In a way, like, again, I picked up on something that probably no one else would care or notice. But, like, I don't think Neo invented that or that wasn't part of his, his like, I mean, it was part of his special powers because, like, he was able to to do that. But really, it was just him acting like the agents. So right. then why would the creator or the whatever he is now, why would he think that that's, like, a new thing if his agents could already do that? Did it get me? I understand what you're saying. I think – 
I think when I think bullet time, I think of more of as the special effects as more of a as a more opposed to the power that he has. Because right. you know, Neo, his power was that he when Morpheus tells him when you realize your power, you won't be able to you won't have to dodge bullets because you can mm-hmm. just stop them. And I think that yeah. was his power, right? Well, but the what's the Neil Patrick Harris? I keep forgetting his character's name. The creator or the the analyst. The analyst. Yeah. So the analyst, but he mentions, doesn't he say like actually he talks about bullet, bullet time? time. Yeah. So and like he talks that's what feelings and and yeah, how that's what's weird for me. Is that, yeah. Like he like mentions bullet time as like like that's part of Neo's power, and then he's like, "Thanks for creating bullet time." Like because of that, I was able to do this slow mo feature that like i can stop you and make <laughs> right you, right yeah, yeah I see, like, I know so, what you're like, saying. It kind of it's not really true like it's not really a thing anyway that's that's that was their attempt at like trying to do a new bullet time but in this movie like their mm-hmm. slow-mo thing which i didn't think was as cool right i mean i think it's it was cool because if you're the one in slow motion so he's playing on that feelings of of being you know unable to get to save the person you love because Mm. you're moving so slow that you can't get there in time. So, I mean, it's more, it's not really an action thing. It's more of an emotional thing. And I think that's what he was talking about as well. It's more of a plain using the feelings and how, and that's one of the key things with this new um, version of the matrix that Mm. Neil Patrick Herrick, the analyst created is that yes, people in this might even be like, Harken back to like we talked about, don't look up. They might know they're in the matrix, but they don't might not want to get out of there because they are yeah, connected to it. So is it pretty much a metaphor for like how Mark Zuckerberg is evil or that? Wait, is that his name? The guy that Facebook? <laughs> Facebook, yeah. Like, like basically that we're, we know <laughs> Facebook is evil and they're analyzing and using our feelings and emotions to manipulate mm-hmm. us, but we're okay with it because we yeah. like living in this like bliss of, you know puppy dog videos and fights and arguments it's and Trump. Absolutely and it's true. Right. It is. It's, it's like we want to be connected to each other in a way. And so we give up those, you know, I don't want to say privacy, but we give up certain aspects in order mm-hmm. to stay connected. And even when we're told they're doing this for malicious things or doing this mm-hmm. to evil, we say, okay, then we, look the other way and keep going. And so it can, it's also a metaphor for, um, do we don't want to be saved? Yeah. Even if someone comes and tells us, I'm going to, I can set you free. You don't have to be this way anymore. No, we're fine. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks (laughs) in (laughs) a ways. I really like Instagram. So no, exactly. Uh, (laughs) It's like, I just bought my Oculus quest too. I need to be plugged in now. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So the another thing that annoyed me on my list of things that annoy me about this movie, um, and then I'll mention something positive. Um, so there's a scene where they are in the Matrix and they're like, they're, it's like the very beginning of them trying to save Trinity. And um, I think I think it's Agent Smith brings in like the exiles and it's like mm-hmm. it's like the freaking pirates of penzance like i, I was like what the fuck are these people it was like genghis khan and like like kung like what like who were they like i don't remember them uh in one two three like what was that i was asking the same question as you i i maybe if we went back and watched part two and three it explain it more because i think they did 
reference to that, like the people who were exiled from the Matrix for whatever reason, the programs that were exiled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, why are it there was like, odd. like cowboys like looking people in here? Why are there? Yeah. Like, it was like old timey, like samurai, like Genghis yeah. Khan looking people. And then <laughs> the random French guy. <laughs> and I, I think the the French guy was in too, right? Wasn't he the guy that's like married to Monica Bellucci's character? Like with the I, two evil twin. I, 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 I kind of remember him. So I'm like, okay. But then he was dressed as a pirate, right? Like yeah, didn't he? It was, so like yeah, it, was it, it was it was super weird. I was like, what the hell is this? Okay, so good <laughs> thing, positive thing is that they had Priyank Pri- Yanka Chopra in it, who I think is like gorgeous. I think she's mm-hmm. like illuminates the sc- yeah. screen. She's just super beautiful. Um, I didn't get what character she played. What the hell? I didn't know she was a program, a robot. Uh, so they did I, a flashback I, callback to a a uh, younger girl who was actually, I guess, this character all grown up. I guess she was like another one of the sentient beings within the matrix. So she's like a living AI that. So, okay. So at the end of part three, when Neo sacrifices himself, him and Trinity mm-hmm. allegedly die. Yeah. The, some of the machines see that sacrifice and are like, wow, maybe the humans aren't as bad as we thought. So they, that's why they create IO and they try to live in harmony with one another. Yeah. Um, her characters, I think Santi or Sati or whatever, mm-hmm. her, quote unquote father or creator was one of those machines that saw the the light, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think she grew up living with humans. Yeah. So she wants to help them. Yeah, it's weird. It's I, I that was one of the things that I was like, I was glad <laughs> to see her where yeah. they're like at the well and she looks beautiful and mm-hmm. she's like talking about whatever. But I'm like, I have I I'm I'm just gonna admire her beauty because I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> And then, yeah, so they're they're talking about the plan of like freeing Mm -hmm. Trinity. She doesn't have to take a pill, but she has to make the choice. Okay, whatever. I don't get it. Then she's like, when we unplug Trinity, we have to plug in bugs because you're the only one that's close to her. What? (laughs) Why? Why is bugs the closest to Trinity? Temporary holding. I didn't. Right. And so they unplug her from the Matrix. Right. And then they right. plug in bugs and then they immediately unplug bugs. Right. And then they plug Trinity back into the matrix. Right. So she was like a think of uh, bugs, I guess, as like a temporary holding, like a flash drive for Trinity's consciousness, I guess. Is that what it was? Uh, that's what I think it was. They used bugs as like a flash drive or a temporary portable hard drive, so to speak. I, it until was they literally got like Trinity's being out of the battery pod into the ship right and then they plugged her back in the matrix uploaded it back into her yeah why why did they plug her back into the matrix because she's free right like because it's like when they out of the matrix now when they freed neo he wakes Mm -hmm. up and he's in zion and they talk and they like explain what's going on they don't immediately plug him back in and so when they free trinity they don't explain to her like what's going on. You have to go back in and save Neo. You have to, it's just like burnt. They plug her back in and then she's talking to him. I think that was all explained prior to her making her choice to leave. Wasn't it when they were doing the fight with the analysts and everything. And before they plugged her out or disconnected her from 
the battery pod, that's what I'm going to call it, I guess. Yeah. It was all explained to her. So she made that choice to leave it, to leave her quote unquote family. Cause she realized she hates the name Tiffany <laughs> and <laughs> that's the Martha moment. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it's a movie that I think needs to be viewed more than once. Cause each time you yeah. watch it, if you could sit through it more than once, you'll, you'll understand it a little bit more. I, I know like, I'm planning on watching it again just so I can kind of um, get all the little bits because I'm sure there is more to it. I know if we trust in uh, Lana Wachowski for the first three movies and we believe in her um, direction and viewpoint, mm-hmm. then we just have to trust that she kind of knows what she's talking about with it when it comes to the matrix world and realm that we just have to buy into it and just you know no, yeah I, I think that normal it makes thought. sense to her yeah like to lana it was like slam you know grand slam or whatever mm-hmm. reference to sports that is uh, but <laughs> for me as someone who doesn't understand like i'm not a tech goth nerd or whatever she is like because i think that's like her her whole deal, mm-hmm. right? She's like a mm-hmm. tech goth or whatever. Um, I don't have – like there isn't enough in the movie that motivates me to want to go back to understand it more because there there wasn't enough like guts or feeling to like motivate me to want to understand. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like if – and because I feel like they really under underutilize Curry and Moss. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, definitely. There, There's like – like I feel like when she escaped, like when they're fleeing from like the mob or like I forget what they call it, like um, kill mode or whatever it was. Um, oh yeah, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah, like yeah. I, I like yeah. you know he's he's like dodging bullets and like dodging mm-hmm. shit or whatever. Um, I feel like it could have been a little bit cooler for her to have been in the lead and her rescuing him. She does at the end of the movie, like mm-hmm. she flies and she saves him. Um, but I, I, I wanted to see more of her kicking ass because that's one of the things that I loved in the first one is she was such a badass. Yeah. And she she didn't really – she had like a little tiny little bit of a moment where she's like comes back and kicks ass and you know it's sort of like, oh, it's like kind of badass. But it's like it's such a small moment. I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see more of that for her <clears throat> and for that character. Um, There was something else that I wanted to bring up that I forgot about that but – Oh well, it'll come Talk about to me deja later. vu. The cat, <laughs> I know, right? The, the little cat. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. Uh, well, two standouts for me were Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. I really thought he nailed it as the villain, and that um, he took like the the menacing overlord that we saw with like Agent Smith in the first one, and just brought it into a nuance mode because he wasn't fighting. He wasn't all action. It was more of the cerebral type, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. I really appreciated his acting in it. I really enjoyed that. Um, I like the that the Matrix itself didn't have – when we're, they're in the Matrix, didn't have that green hue. Yeah. It was more colored uh, what we're used to appropriately, I guess. Yeah. And um, – so I thought it was good. I mean, it wasn't great. No. It was, for me, as a fan of the first one, like I said, and coming in, like I said, with low expectations, it met those low expectations. So yeah. it's it earned a rewatch for me at some point. So yeah. I'll say that. Um, 
I remember what I was trying to say. So, so overall, I would give the film like a C, I guess, if it would be a grade. Like it was, it was, okay. it was okay. okay. It wasn't yeah, great. There's some, like fair. there's little things that like I'm not going to run to go like rewatch it the same way I didn't run to go watch the second or third Matrix. I watched the first one like a bajillion times, yeah, like mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So, one of the things that that occurred to me is that like now that we know the impact of the first Matrix films, like there's people that like legit think that the Matrix is real. Yeah, that's um, true. And mm-hmm. we know that it it. I mean, I don't want to give credence to like conservatives that say that like movies are responsible for people doing bad things, but like we do know that the Matrix sort of. It didn't help matters when it came to like violence (laughs) with young people that like are prone to those things Mm -hmm. with like the trench coat mafia and and Columbine and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Don't think the Matrix is at all responsible. But like one thing that I was like kind of – it just kind of struck me when I was watching it is that there was a couple instances in the film where like – neo and then neo and trinity in order for them to like wake up or like realize their power that to jump off a building and like almost commit suicide like the first i think he did commit suicide right at one point because mm-hmm. he fell off the building and, and died and that's what triggered bugs seeing him in his real form yeah like falling yeah. off the building yeah i thought that was weird that like maybe as a choice knowing that the influence and the scope, the magnitude of the weirdos in the world that there are people that really think the matrix is real. There are people that are like super influenced by the film, like not her, not her problem, not Lana. I'm not putting the responsibility on Lana Wachowski's lap. Like it's, she's a filmmaker. She shouldn't have to worry about that. That's our problem as an audience or society to like mental health and all that stuff. But knowing what she knows, it is kind of, I think an interesting choice that she would have, you know, we have people that say like take the red pill when they talk about like waking up in a political sense, and those are the same kind of people that believe in like QAnon and mm-hmm. all these crazy like PizzaGate and all this stuff. So they're gonna they could possibly watch this movie, and if they're already disturbed, think that in order to wake it up, like I walk off a building. Saying. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's I, like, I, like, I don't want to put that out in thing, that, right? Yeah, I don't want to put that on the into existence. But it did occur to me that it was kind of like an odd choice that like that's how Neo has to wake up. Like he couldn't stand on the building and try to fly like up. He has to jump off to see if he floats or flies. Like it's just weird. I don't know. It's again one of my Gabe things that I noticed, but. I, I, there's just certain things when I think that there are people that are creators that once they see the impact and they still choose to do things anyway, like I'm sure she's had discussions with people over the responsibility or the role that the matrix has played in society with like the hyper, you know, violence and all of that stuff. She knows that that might be something that people criticize, right. Or that mm-hmm. something people might look at. So why make that, why make that choice? Why make that choice that in, multiple instances in the movies our character is going to jump off a building in order to wake it up yes i I mean i think she counters that nicely with the (laughs) whole um him going to therapy and him um talking them basically saying that it wasn't real it didn't happen one could Um, argue though that they vilify the counselor 
and therapy okay. and okay. medication <laughs> to help people that have mental yeah, health issues. Okay, okay that's true. And, that's and, true. And that's another thing that's kind of interesting that mm-hmm. that <laughs> it, it's like people and it's not all of us because it's only a certain segment of people that maybe have mental health issues that might be influenced by these movies. But in their world, you know, that she knows exists, like you could go online Mm -hmm. right now and Google people that think that the matrix is real. They're going to think if I go see my counselor, they're going to try to one medicate me, which is bad. Keep me in the matrix. Mm -hmm. Keep me, you know, confused Mm -hmm. and I need to wake up. And also I might need to jump off a building to make sure that I can fly. Like, Wow. It's a little weird. It's a little, like I said, it's it's movies. It's not her responsibility. But I'm sure that she's had conversations with multiple people about the responsibility or the role that the Matrix played during that time. Mm-hmm. She could have done. She could say, you know what? Fuck it. I don't. I don't. That has nothing to do with me. Which yeah. maybe that's what which the response is. Like the is by she's this, taking. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably what she's taking. I'm just kind of curious, like how how people. It's sort of like um, we've talked about that before. Is like, why did Chris Pratt like? Why does he post stuff on Instagram when he knows people are already watching him really closely? Why not just not mm-hmm. do it? So like, why not put in a controversial thing unless that's part of your mo is that you want to have controversy so people will see the movie or there's something to talk about. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm not the same way with like my art. I I do have things that are kind of could be pursued or perceived as controversial and I do it anyway. But I don't like there's no one that looks at my photography and is like <laughs> is like jump off a building now <laughs> is influencing to do something that they shouldn't be doing. You know what I'm saying? If that mm-hmm. were the case, if that was presented to me and someone said your art is influencing people. I don't know how we react in that situation because I've not been in it, but it's something to think about, right? Like it's kind it of is, it's yeah, interesting. It's, that's true. That's true. And I guess, I guess that's a question we can ask our viewers. Do you think the matrix is influential in that regard? Does Lana yeah. Wachowski have play a role or should it be incumbent upon her to um, rein in her storytelling? Mm-hmm. to placate the potential one or two people who might be motivated to do something that they shouldn't because yeah. of the story she tells. And and one of the things that, okay, so I'm now I'm like really going to get into it, but one of the things that's interesting is that I would assume based off her, her being a trans woman, that she would be a fan of therapy and of mental health and mental well-being because mm-hmm. that's part of the process i think that you know yeah, i'm okay. not that i know a lot but from what i heard is that you know you you know a lot of people go through therapy to better understand themselves and their mm-hmm. identity and their gender mm-hmm. expression and being able to choose you know uh, be able to understand that because you know it can be it can be confusing for some people um and therapy helps it's interesting, and I think that it could be just that it made sense for the plot, but it's interesting that, you know, therapy is sort of vilified in this movie, sort of the same way that, like, maybe Get Out vilified um, therapy and counselors, and and one could even argue about that movie, too, and maybe this is a topic for another thing, is that African-American community is sort of not the biggest support of mental health, like they're a little Mm -hmm. bit wary of it. 
you know, mental health within communities, especially within people of color is like seen as a weakness. You don't go see a therapist. You just deal with it like as a man, whatever. So like when you see filmmakers that are like a black filmmaker sort of have a therapist in it and it's evil and it's like, you're going to be conned, you're going to be manipulated. And then you see this where it's like, again, another therapist, it's like manipulating you, keeping you, um, stifled. Like, I don't know. I question like, is that something like maybe we shouldn't be pushing because we still have a lot to go when it comes to mental health and people accepting it and people allowing mental health to be like a positive thing and going to see Mm -hmm. a therapist is a positive Mm -hmm. thing. So like maybe, and I'm not one of those kind of woke people. It's like, Oh, don't watch the matrix because it stigmatizes mental health care and all of that. Like I don't, I'm not, I am not that, but Mm -hmm. it's something that like, maybe we could talk about is like, do, do films like further that stigma when it comes to mental health care and show it as like, an evil thing when it should be like, I can think of a couple movies where like the villains are like therapists or like use therapy or psychologists. And it's like, do we like, let's not keep using that stereotype or that, that. Right. Right. I think for, for, uh, I personally never believed in like therapy and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't because I saw them as villains. It was more like you said, it was seen as a weakness. Mm -hmm. Right. So at least in this regard, he's not shown to be weak for going to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Yes, the therapist or counselor may come across or may be evil intent and villain, but the character going to therapy isn't seen as being weak, which I guess mm-hmm. is, is a positive because I've always seen it. Like I said, growing up, I th- see therapy and I see, oh, why you got to go talk to someone? Can't you just deal with that yourself aren't you strong enough to deal with that mm-hmm. so seeing characters put themselves in vulnerable positions where they go to therapists to express themselves and learn to be more in tune with themselves is a good thing whether or not the therapist is good or evil yeah i think yeah. i don't know yeah I, I it would be i would be interested to maybe see if like there's a mental healthcare advocate that would be willing to talk to us in regards to the way mm. mental health is um, portrayed in pop culture. So like if That'd anyone's good, listening yeah. that is involved Definitely. in that scene, you know, contact us, DM us, because I think I, I, I'm interested in that. Like I, That's very true. I, I, yeah. I feel like there is a lot of stigma when it comes to mental health care and the way it's portrayed in pop culture. And, um, I would like to see it change and I'm not blaming any artists. Like I think that part of the matrix with like the pills is that it's just a really cool, like visual, right? Well, I think it's it's the whole aspect and it's the part um, that plays a big role in the first trilogy is that it's a choice. You're given a choice, right? Right. And it's, it's a cool because movie making is visual. It's a cool visual to have a blue and a red to make your choice, you know, to, and it could have been done in other ways. So it's like, I don't think that they were specifically vilifying medication or therapy or anything like that, but it is something that just occurred to me that like, uh, you know, uh, for those people that maybe need mental health care that Mm -hmm. are fans of matrix (laughs) that think the matrix is real, that is, that they're, you know, um, conspiracy theorists, that those people might actually benefit from going to a therapist or like someone who could help analyze them and, and help them with their thoughts. 
And this might further lead them astray because in their <laughs> world, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I just think that it's funny because the people who might need it the most, who are fans of this type of movie, will go see it and it will, you know, further ingrain what they already think. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I understand. Yeah. And I think that's a fantastic idea. Let's reach out to some mental health professionals who, who would be willing to speak to us about mental health and in pop culture. Yeah. Because yeah, it's a conversation that needs to be had. I agree. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, that was my feelings about The Matrix in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> a rather enlarged nutshell. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, a, bushel, I mean, a bushel of nuts. <laughs> I agree with you on your rating of a C. Yeah. So The Matrix is a must see. Yeah, movie, but it's, it's your dad jokes are are just amazing. <laughs> they are. I'm, I'm always on top, and I was just thinking of those today. I was like, you know what? Because I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said some joke about it, and I was like, wow, I got to stop myself. <laughs> I say embrace it. Just embrace it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why? Why fight the inevitable? I mean, it just it is what it is, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, start getting I think gray that- hairs. Just embrace the gray hair. There you go. Yeah, bad jokes. <laughs> Just keep sprouting. Keep sprouting. Keep plucking them out. Yeah. yeah. Dad jokes. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in to our initial episode of 2022. Um, we look forward to bringing you a whole slew of exciting, captivating, wonderful, insert um, adjective here shows so make sure you stay tuned make sure you subscribe hit that notification button so you always know when we come out with our new shows and we will see you next week or two weeks or when we see you next yeah i think there there will be a delay because plot twist i'm going vacation so (laughs) so we may not be here next week actually we won't be here next week so um stay tuned we'll we'll still be on social media so you'll still see us tweeting quoting whatever sending out messages <laughs> but but i we won't be in an actual podcast for next week we'll be back the week thereafter so stay safe everyone wear your mask wash your hands get vaccinated you know, get vaccinated get that booster shot if you haven't already um so with that we'll see you